the series that we're starting today is called Relate, and it's about relationships. And I believe that relationships are truly the most important thing in life. And uh, in fact, if you get your relationships right in life, pretty much everything else you can get through. Amen. In fact, you know, whenever you think about it, most people can trace their greatest joys and their greatest disappointments to relationships. Relationships are so vital and so key. Good relationships are truly the key to success. And the reality is that good relationships are no accident. They don't happen by accident. Is that right? You don't just fall into a good relationship. People who have great relationships have been intentional about building great relationships. You got to work on it, right? You got to work. Wait, wait, it's too early to get quiet. Come on. Say amen. 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 All right. People that have great relationships have made a priority and have worked hard at building relationships. And in this series, we're going to be intentional about uh, focusing on and, and building better relationships in our life. And the first relationship we're going to focus on is our marriage relationships. And listen, if you're not married, don't check out on me. Because you could get engaged before this year's up. Amen. So listen intently. And those of you are, that are anti-marriage, listen intently. Because you might be able to help somebody else that is in marriage. Amen. And God might use you as a counselor. So really... You know, it helps all of us. So the title of our message today is Building Marriages That Last. Have you ever wondered what God's original intention for marriage really was? What was his whole intention? Matthew 19 gives us a hint of God's intention for marriage. Matthew 19, verse 3, some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then there are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, as you could tell from this passage of scripture, and Jesus answers the Pharisees question of, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? Jesus answers the question and reveals that it's always been God's intention for marriages to last a lifetime. It's never been God's intention that it would be like a fling or a tryout, but it would be permanent. Amen? Is that right? Look in verse 6. It says, so they no longer two but one flesh, but therefore God has joined together. Let no man separate. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it was not what God originally intended. So Jesus said to Moses, or said that Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to people's hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. In other words, it's always been God's intention that our marriages last, how long, gang? Forever. Forever. 
In fact, the Bible tells us in Malachi that the Lord hates divorce. Listen to this verse, Malachi 2.15. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. And you could, you know, where there's wife, you could say, remain loyal to the husband of your youth. Verse 16, for I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. To divorce your wife or to divorce your husband is to overwhelm her or him with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart and do not be unfaithful to your wife. Now, the Bible tells us that the Lord hates divorce. Now, let me just stop for a moment and say this. Listen, don't misunderstand what the Lord is saying right here. The Lord does not hate those who have been divorced. Sometimes we automatically misinterpret that or misread that to mean that God hates those that get divorced. I believe the Lord hates the act of divorce, not the divorced. Amen? Why does the Lord hate divorce? Why is that such a big deal? I believe it's because he hates the negative effects that divorce has on people. That's why he's so against it. Listen, Malachi 2.16 says, For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's army. Now, I believe the reason God hates divorce is because nobody ever wins when marriages don't last. Nobody ever wins. Think about the terrible negative emotional consequences that divorces have on the adults that go through it. I mean, listen, you know, if, it, if it's true what they're saying, that 50% of marriages end in divorce, in this room right here, it could be that half of the people in here have been through divorce. You know better than anybody the harshness and the hardness and the pain and the suffering that takes place when you go through divorce. But not only the adults, what about the children? The negative effect, the negative emotional consequences that divorce has on the children when parents go through divorce. You know, God hates divorce because he hates what happens to people when they go through it. Now, I know that sometimes it's it's unavoidable. And the, and the Bible says there's two reasons why you can get divorced. One is for infidelity and the other one is whenever you have a non-believer that don't want to be married anymore according to Corinthians. But then there's question whether that's even an out anyway. But you know, just, just a few weeks ago, I was talking to a couple who's having marital problems. And they had been separated. And the husband uh, went over to the wife where the wife was and said, get up, we're going to church. Woke her up, got the children ready. They came to church. And she's telling me this story sitting in my office. And she said, you know, here I was and I said, did you hear what I was saying? She said, I heard nothing of what you said. I was in church, but I didn't hear you at all. I said, no. She said, no, when we got to church and I saw how happy my children were, that their mommy and daddy were together. She said, I got overwhelmed. And it broke my heart. And I decided then and there, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get my marriage on track 
for my children's sake. Come on, are y'all hearing me out here? The purpose of this, introdu- of this introduction is not to make anyone that has gone through the bitter sting of divorce to feel condemned. The Bible says in Romans 8, 1, Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Amen? So listen, if you've been divorced, don't feel condemned. If, he, if you're the one that caused it, repent, get right with God, and move on. Amen? Know that you've been forgiven through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, y'all receive that this morning? And so listen, I want to encourage you, if you've been divorced, not to look through the rearview mirror of past mistakes or failures, but to look through the windshield of God's promises. Amen. Come on, you got a future ahead of you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Amen. Now, this verse does not say that God has a purpose, a bright future for, for, for you as long as you don't go through divorce. God has made provisions for a bright future, even when you go through the devastation of a divorce. Amen. Now, I had no intention on making this message about divorce, but if you don't get your marriage right, that's where it goes. If you don't get your marriage on track, that's where it goes. And the price is high. And so we need to deal with it. Amen. We need to focus on it because we want our marriages to last. If you've been divorced, know that God loves you and cares about you deeply. The second purpose of our introduction is to emphasize the importance of building marriages that last. Somebody said marriage can be the closest thing to hell or the closest thing to heaven on earth. It depends what you make it out to be. Amen. Now, come on. Hell and heaven. How many of you vote heaven? Heaven. Proverbs 24, 3. It takes wisdom to have a good family and it takes understanding to make it strong. It takes knowledge to fill a home with rare and beautiful treasures. Healthy families and marriages don't just happen by accident. Healthy families and marriages happen by learning and applying godly principles. God is the one that thought about marriage. He's the one that created marriage. And he's got the best plan and blueprint to make the marriage work. Amen. Amen. Come on, I need a better amen right there. So listen, I want to share with you some scriptural principles that I believe will help build our marriages, make them stronger. Scriptural principle number one to building a lasting marriage is the scriptural principle of good communication. Good communication. Research has shown that 86% of marriages fail because of lack of communication or bad communication, right? So to build strong marriages, you have to get better at communicating. You got to start talking the same language, the same vernacular. Amen. I mean, you got to be able to know what the other person is saying. Communication. James 119 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Now, this verse gives us three keys to better communication. And the first one is this. Key number one to good communication is to be quick to listen. Did you hear me? You ever heard that in your marriage? Did you hear me? Did you hear what I said? Somebody said God gave us two ears and one mouth so we can listen twice as much as we talk. 
I'm not going to look over there at Tanya right now because, or Olivia, all right? So listen, active listening says to your spouse, you're valuable. What you have to say is important. Is that right? Listening is a skill that we can learn. We can get better at listening. And we need to practice focusing and giving our spouse our undivided attention. Amen? A second key to good communication, according to James 1.19, is to be slow to speak. And some of us said, oh, no. <laughs> Need some duct tape. Ecclesiastes 3.7 says this, there is a time to be quiet and a time to speak. Sometimes we're so quick to speak that we don't even hear what the person is really saying. Have you ever, have you, have you ever had your wife tell you something and right after she finished telling you, you ask her the question of the thing that she just told you about? Come on, raise your hand if you have. Don't leave me hanging here. I just told you. Oh, oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Where were you? Another planet? There are two personality types. There's the type A, which is the Dead Sea personality, and the, the type B, which is the Babbling Brook personality. The type A, the Dead Sea, never talks. They're not too sociable, but they're a good listener. The Babbling Brook talks all the time. Very outgoing and doesn't listen much. Come on, which one are you, type A or type B? The problem is these personalities normally attract, and they get married together. And so you got a babbling brook and a dead sea. Right? Come on, how many of you can relate already? Amen. So to improve communication between these two personalities, the type A, the dead sea person needs to open up. Start talking more. Come on, you got to spit it out. Get some words out. But the type B, babbling brook type person needs to talk less and listen more. Because normally the type A is not going to talk over you. Some people have no problem with that. But the type A will normally wait for a pause to say anything. And if we'll just come up for air, our spouse might start talking. I'm trying to be funny to make it light because this can be grueling. Amen. So here's a practical application to improve communication. Take time daily to sit and talk about day to day events. You know, spending time daily is essential to improving communication. You know, Brother Francis used to say the people that work on those power lines, they get together in those little holes and work on all these little wires. And sometimes they get to know their person they work with better than their spouse because they fellowship it in the hole. So we need to fellowship at home. Talk about your day-to-day activities, how you felt, what you went through. Don't just say, how was your day? Good. Dead sea. Maybe I need to say that again. Maybe somebody missed that. But you know what I'm saying? Just talk about your dreams, your visions. It's, it's fellowship. It's communicating. It's connecting. The better at communicating we are, the stronger our marriages will be. But number two, practice listening intently as your spouse is 
talking and sharing their feelings. And I, I have to confess, I got to work on this. I'm the only one. I didn't hear no amens. Concentrate on what is being said to you. And, and you know, it's good to face them. Look into their eyes. Concentrate. You know, if somebody's talking to you and your eyes are over here and over there, that's a good sign you're not listening. You know, I told the men a couple of months ago about, uh, you know, whenever Olivia was small, I'd uh, go on a date with her and bring her to the UL basketball game. <laughs> and somebody said, oh, well, she liked it until she finished eating her popcorn or her, you know, her uh, nachos. And she would sit on my lap. She would get right in the front of me and the ball would go down the court and I'd be looking over here. And they were about to make and Olivia would move her head over here. And then by that time, they made the shot and they're going back on this side and I'd move over here and she'd move. And so I was I was watching the game like this. And so finally, you know, it's like I didn't get it. And she was like, hey, I'm bored. I need some attention here. And she grabbed my face. And she said, hey, I'm over here. How many of you spouses, don't raise your hand. How many of you spouses feel like grabbing your husband's face sometimes and saying, hey, I'm over here. Or the other way around. A third key to good communication is to... To be slow to get angry. That's what James said. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. The question is not if your spouse is going to communicate poorly. Are you going to be misunderstood when you communicate at times? The question is when you, when you do communicate poorly, or whenever your spouse communicates poorly, are you misunderstood, how are you going to handle it? Ephesians 4.26 says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. You know, somebody said, If you speak when you're angry, you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. Right? The bottom line is no no good communication comes out of speaking while you're angry. Proverbs 29, 11 says, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. To enhance communication in our relationships, we must learn how to control our anger. Amen? So the first biblical principle to improving our relationship is increase our communication. And increasing your communication only comes by spending time together. Sitting on the back porch or, you know, going out on regular dates, spending time together, making sure when you get home, if the wife is in the kitchen, go in the kitchen. You know, if the if the uh, husband is watching news, whenever the wife comes in, turn off the TV. Husbands, turn off the TV. (laughs) But do whatever it is, get face to face. You know, the average time a couple spends communicating is four minutes a day. Well, no wonder there's so much divorce in our nation. We got to do better than that. Amen. If y'all agree with that, say amen. Amen. A second principle that builds lasting marriages is the scriptural principle of harmony and unity. Matthew 12, 25, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined 
and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. So Jesus says, a house divided will not stand. You can't have a strong marriage if you got division in the house all the time. The quickest way to destroy your marriage is to allow fighting and arguing and conflict to remain in your house. First Peter 3.8 says this. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because this is what you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. How many of you know blessings flow in unity? And blessings are short-circuited in conflict. You know, so basically, you got to manage conflict in your head, in your house. And there are three main causes of fighting and arguing. What causes us to fight as husbands and wives? There are three causes. Number one, main causes. Number one is our selfishness. Selfishness causes fights. James 4.1 says, what is causing the quarrels and conflicts or fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You know what James is saying? He's saying it's our fleshly selfishness and self-centeredness that causes fights and quarrels. In other words, it's our uncontrollable flesh that starts fights. This is what Galatians 5.19 says. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, and division. This is the fruit of our sinful nature that is ruling our life. It's our fleshly selfishness that starts fights, but it's the Holy Spirit that will stop fights. Amen? The fruit of the Spirit, Matthew, or Galatians 5, 22, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The bottom line is the stronger spiritually we become, the less fights we'll have in our household. Quarreling and fighting is the fruit of our flesh and of our carnal nature. Am I right? Harmony and peace is the fruit of people that are under the control of the Holy Spirit. Would you all agree with that? And even if you don't, it's the truth. It's the Bible truth. Amen. But the second main cause of fights and arguments in our marriages is, is our pride. Listen what Proverbs 13.10 says, pride only leads to arguments. But those who take advice are wise. Pride. It's our pride that has to have the last word. Why are they walking out? Yeah, but... It's our pride that has to be the one that's right. No, no, I said. Okay, easy, easy. You know, got to have the last word. It's our pride that is unwilling to take fault. I didn't do that. I'm just talking about myself and y'all get to listen in. All right. I'm just, you know where I get this material, huh? From my own skin. So listen, if you want to avoid fights and arguments, you have to be willing to say, listen, 
I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? By the way, you know, the quickest way to end an argument is to forgive the person that has offended you. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humility will bring God's grace and peace into our marriage and make it stronger. Let me just stop for a moment. Remember a while ago we read that Moses allowed divorce because of the hardness of hearts. You know why hearts get hard? Because they get offended by their spouse and they can't forgive. And it turns into bitterness and their hearts get hard. And you know the only solution to that is God's grace. The mercy of God filling your heart. Softening your heart. That's the only solution, right? But how many of you know that is a viable solution? Amen. There are couples in this church that have gone through everything you could dream of in their marriage. And they're still married today. You know why? Because of the goodness of God. Amen. The third main cause of fights and arguments in our marriages is the influence of Satan. John 10, 10, the the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Think about it with me. One of Satan's primary weapons is to weaken our marriages. Why? Because so many blessings, families are the foundation of our society. That's why right now, listen, you know, we're talking about in our government, whether, you know, same-sex marriage is right. You know what that is? That's a spiritual attack on the traditional family because Satan is trying to destroy the traditional family because it's in the traditional family that God's grace, love, mercy flows and ministers to people. And so Satan knows that. So he's trying to tear it apart pull it apart at the fabric so that he can destroy the society that we're living in. It's a spiritual attack, my friends. It's not It's not a party line difference. It's not a liberal uh, conservative difference. It's a spiritual attack on the family of God that God created husband and wife and children so we'd be together and be a godly loving family that our children would raise up and be nurtured and cared for in the love of God. Come on. Are y'all with me out there? Come on. It's a spiritual attack. That was a little rant. But I feel like going on another one right now. Amen. Do you know, listen, the devil don't want your marriage to be strong. He don't want your marriage to have harmony and peace. He wants you to live in conflict. Who can be happy when you're living in conflict all the time? Who can enjoy God's blessings? It's the devil that tries to get not only the marriages and the families, the children and the parents. He'll try to keep havoc and conflict in every home. In fact, he's not satisfied with it being in the home. He'll try to bring it right into church and cause the house of God to be divided because he knows it won't be able to stand. But you know, listen, we got to be wiser than that. Amen. We got to be wise. You know, I remember years ago, a tiny and I, I was a youth pastor, so I'd preach every Wednesday. Seemed like every Wednesday we got in a little tiff. I know that's surprising to you that Tanya and I would have a tiff, but it was mostly my fault. Yeah. <laughs> 
But no, it seemed like every Wednesday, you know, I'm getting ready to preach. And that's, let me tell you, it's hard to get up in the pulpit and preach when your wife is looking at you. And saying, you big heathen, how dare you get up there and talk about God? You know, it's hard. And so it made it very difficult. And so, <laughs> oh, come on. Praise the Lord. But anyway, one day we just connected the dots. Okay. Every Wednesday afternoon, right? When I get ready to preach, we have a fight. And we talked about it one day and it's like, we had a revelation. So we said, you know what? We're not going to feed the devil any fuel for his tactics anymore. So we're just going to let them fights just go right by. We're going to not be prideful and humble ourselves. And we're not going to be selfish. And we're just going to let it just go right by. It was amazing. That was the end of that. It was the end of that. We never had a fight since. I'm lying. (laughs) We hadn't had a fight since a while ago. (laughs) But don't you agree? The more unity we build in our marriages, the greater blessings in our homes. This is what Psalm 133, 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard coming down upon the edge of his robe. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. You know where the blessing of God comes? In unity. In harmony. Amen. So listen, those of you that are married, listen. Those of you that are children, those of you that are in a household, in a family, listen. The devil will always try to get you in a fight with your family. And you're doing warfare every time you pass up the opportunity. And you choose to walk in peace. You're working with God and you're positioning yourself for the blessing of God that flows from the top on down to your life. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 4, 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit Through the bond of peace. Make every effort to do that. A third principle that builds lasting marriages is the scriptural principle of laying a biblical foundation. A biblical foundation. In Matthew 7, 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, it is follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floods Waters rise and the winds beat against the house. It won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on the sand. When the rains and the floods come in and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, Jesus told stories like this one that we just read. And sometimes we just like we we make it too trivial like we animate it and tell it like it's a children's story. But Jesus wasn't telling stories to entertain children. He told stories to make powerful points. And he said two people build their house on two different foundations, one on sand and one on the rock. And he said it's the one that builds their house on the biblical foundation that's going to last. Amen? And that's what he says in Matthew seven twenty four. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Building your marriage 
on the foundation of God, on the wisdom of God. You know, listen, the world has answers, but they're not biblical answers. The world has counselors, but they're not biblical counselors. And a lot of the the insight, the wisdom, the advice you'll get to people that are not serving God are counterproductive to building your house, building your marriage on a foundation that'll last a lifetime. You got to get back to the word of God. Both people heard the word, only one applied it. So that tells me you can be in church for years and still building your house, your family, your life on a shaky foundation. Amen. Is that true? Building your marriage on a biblical foundation means, number one, finding out what the Bible says about marriage and then applying it to your marriage. Do you know the Bible talks about how husbands should treat their wives, how wives should treat their husbands? Do you know it tells you what the role of a wife and the role of a husband and how they should function in the marriage? The more we learn the wisdom of God and we apply the wisdom of God, the better our marriage will be. Listen, how arrogant of us to say God don't know what he's doing. I mean, think about it. To talk, to point to the one who created it to begin with and say, you don't know what you're talking about. We got to go back to the foundation of biblical principles. You see, but listen, it's a matter of whether we're willing to submit to the authority of the scripture or not. See, if we got a, if we got a rebellious streak in us, if we got problem with somebody telling us what to do, we won't submit to the Bible. Because to listen to the Bible means you got to submit to some authority in your life. Come on, are y'all with me out there? And so you have to make a decision. And listen, I don't want to. I don't want to go highlight with the Bible. If you're the wife, don't go highlight what the Bible says about your husband. If you're the husband, don't go highlight your Bible about what God says to your wife. Go highlight what the Bible says to you. Amen. You are 50% of that marriage, so you can make it 50% better. Amen? Come on, is that true? But number two, find out, find godly people who can help you by giving you godly counsel. Listen, Proverbs 20:18 says, plans succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. Plans succeed through good counsel. And you know what? Listen. There is not too many marriages that can't be repaired. I mean, there's not. If we're both willing to listen, be teachable, and let people give us advice and do what they say, we can make some headway. Y'all agree with that? If y'all agree with that, say amen. But you got to be willing. You got to be willing. Listen, we have people right here in our church couples that have been married for a long time and we have handpicked them to say, listen, would you help us whenever somebody comes to us and say we have marriage problems, would you be willing to sit with them and counsel them and help them? A mentoring, a coaching couple. It's amazing what can happen when you come alongside a couple who has been through it all and has made it through it all and they can sit with a young couple who's trying to get through it all. It's amazing the strength that can come. And the ground that can be taken when you do it. Amen? And then finally, number three, 
we build a marriage on a biblical foundation by finding out what the Bible says about living a Christian life personally. Finding out what it says and living it. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and above all else, live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Right? Seek first the kingdom of God. Above all else, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. Could I, could we, could we say that he actually means our marriages too? Seek first the kingdom of God and he'll help us with marriage. Could we say that, that all these other things includes marriage? I think so. I think so. But listen, it's not, it's not going to church. It's seeking first the kingdom of God. In other words, making it priority. Making it most important. You see, listen, it's God's spirit, God's word, God's grace. He said, what God joins together, let no man put asunder. It's when God puts you together. It's when God's spirit puts you together. It's when God's spirit melts your hearts and you become one. It's when God's word gives you divine guidance and you become one. That's the marriage that the devil can't tear apart. But first, you got to give it your all to Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God. And you know, the thing about it is, some people don't want to see God because they're afraid what God's going to tell them. Oh, I know what God's going to tell me. God's going to tell me to make up. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. But let me ask you a question. What's more important? What, what's most valuable? Playing into the hands of the enemy? You think you can get through a divorce and come out unscathed? You think it's going to be easier to just eject? I tell you, it'd be better for you to stay. And I don't know how else to say or what else to do other than say. Work with God and let God work with you. Seek godly advice. Fast and pray and say, God, I can't let this thing unravel. We got to make it. Amen. Got to make it. So listen. In those small groups, we always try to include small groups on marriage. Steve and Felicia are going to be doing one in love and respect. And I think in a month and a two down the road, we're going to have another one uh, that Tony and Brenda are going to do. And it's, it's, it's uh, DVD driven. It's taught by godly people, godly principles. We do those for one reason. So that we can help people grow in their walk with God. So I want to encourage you, sign up. You don't have to have a bad marriage to get. In fact, it's better if you get in when you don't have a bad marriage. Amen. Because it's, it's, it's being proactive. It's shoring up the most, in, the most important relationship in your life outside of your relationship with God. Amen. And so come on, church of God. Let's do all we can so that we can build the kind of marriage that God wants us to. Live 
And that's a lasting marriage. Would you stand with me? Let's close in prayer. How does God take a dead sea and a babbling brook and make them one? He can do it. Can he? Amen. How can he take two people that are polar opposites and just get them to immunity? It's like having a, you know, a, you know, a chihuahua and a cat (laughs) sit down and, and, you know, sleep on each other. Right. How can that happen? God's grace. Right. How many of you know God's grace can do all things? Y'all believe that? Listen, would you just bow with me for just a moment? And I want to just give an opportunity. If you're here today and you say, Todd, I'm not a Christian. I, I, haven't, I haven't put God first in my life. But I need to do that. I, I want to be a Christian. I'm, I'm tired of just kicking the tires of Christianity. I'm ready to surrender my heart, submit my will to God. Would you pray for me today? I want God to forgive my sins. I want to live my life for Him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Would you just acknowledge that? I want to pray for you right where you are. Just raise your hand and just wave it at me so I can see it. Just wave it, wave it. There there you go. I see your hands right back here. Anybody way back here? Those of you that raised your hands, listen, we're going to pray a prayer together. And after we do, I want you to just look in the pew and there's a connect card there. And I want you to just fill that card out and come to the front. We have a gift for you. We have a Bible for you. We want to help you to get started on this walk with God. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that, God, you would just touch every heart and every life in here. Those of you that that raised your hand, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I humbly submit to you. I really want to live for you. I want to serve you. God, would you help me to live the Christian life? Empower me. Give me wisdom to live my life in a way that will honor you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, if you here, you're married, you have your spouse here, grab the hand of your spouse and, and let's pray together. Let's pray for all our marriages. Let's pray for God to just build strong marriages in our church. Amen. And when I believe there's people in the, even in this room, even in this room that are just struggling, even right now, and the devil is just trying to destroy you. But come on, let's ask God. Come on, let's ask God to strengthen our marriages. Can we do that as a church today? Father God, we know that 50% are higher marriages in a divorce. But God, we say divorce-proof our church. Divorce-proof our families, oh God. Lord, break the power of evil. Break the power of darkness today. God, release your grace. Release your mercy. God, give us the grace that we need to be the husbands and the wives you've called us to be. Lord, we pray that your spirit would bring in this in unity and in harmony. Thank you, Lord, for placing a hedge around every family and every marriage. God, may our families be stronger than ever, Lord, as we apply these principles in the mighty and strong name of Jesus. I pray and everybody that agreed said amen.